Hello everyone, I am Tim Lawson, host and founder of the One Too Many Veteran Suicide Podcast and Project. Here for another story that I have to share. This is a friend of mine, uh, he's an Army veteran, his name is Mark Amatucci. He uh, actually contacted me, uh, I think this is what's cool about this, uh, this podcast, is he reached out to me a few months ago and messaged me and was like, Hey man, I just started listening to your podcast. I didn't really realize anybody felt the same way that I did. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but it was, it was uh, that same message. And it really, uh, I thought it was really important to now to then bring him on and let him share his story and give him an opportunity to let another veteran know that that no, they're not alone, and that there are plenty of people, plenty of veterans that suffer through these same issues. So Mark is going to talk to us about. Um, a crazy relationship he was in, a really unfortunate circumstance, things that he regretted doing and saying, and how it all led to a suicide attempt that fortunately was unsuccessful. So um, here's here's Mark recounting his story. I was involved with someone, and uh, it had been going on and on and on, you know, on and off, real crazy relationship, but uh, we were both in love. We got deployed. We we were just crazy, man. Like I I, I can't I can't even really describe it. But we, you know, I was in a relationship period with this girl that was in the same uh, battery as me. So we were both getting deployed to the same spot. We both worked in the same footprint. And uh, you know, we you know we were we, we, you're not supposed to be you know having any kind of sexual relationships with anyone when you're deployed. But right. I'm, we're all human beings and, you know, every human beings, you know, we're sexual. Like that's just our nature. Yeah. Um, not saying it was, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not even trying to hide it. I mean, we were, we were, I was having sex with her when we were down range and, um, you know, we were on and off and she wanted to, you know, she wanted to make it a, like a, a surefire thing, but, you know, we had just talked about in the previous interview, I just got out of the divorce, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty young and I didn't want to face that type of commitment at the time, even though, you know, I, I love her very dearly, but I just didn't want to face the commitment at the time. So she got upset with that and uh, we were always arguing and, you know, it was at work, so it was even more stressful. You know, I was pulling 24 hours on, 24 hours off. And I'm not saying my job was really hard. It's just, you know, you're not, you, you don't, you're not with family. You're seeing the same people every day and you don't have any rank. So, you know, you're always getting told what to do, how to do it. And, you know, it's just, it's just stressful. Yeah. But, uh, bottom line, you know, she, uh, she, she got upset and we, you know, I told her, you know, I was like, you know, we just need to end this. I had no idea like what she was doing, but we didn't talk for a while and but she was still coming over and we were still having sex here and there. But it was always just, you know, it was just that. You know, she went on well, I went on leave first and uh it was R and R. And you know, I I just went on leave, you know, I went back to Virginia. My dad lives in Europe, you know, my mom's, you know, she's not in Virginia, she's in North Carolina, so I had to stay with a friend's parents, I, you know, I'm just lonely, man, like, 
you just get into that place where it's like you're seeing old friends, but you know, you're seeing people you grew up with, but they're kind of like not the same people. Some of them are, but you know, most of them aren't, you know, you've changed a lot, but you know, I, I, I didn't sleep with anyone. You know, I didn't, I didn't do anything, man. You know, I, cause you know, I was still in love with this girl. I honestly, you know, I, I didn't even try to look for females or anything. I kind of went on a, you know, a drinking binge and, you know, I was doing a lot of alcohol because we can't drink it. Well, we can, but it's just, it's limited. Yeah. And I get back, pick right back up where we left off. You know, I mean, I missed her and I told her I wanted to be with her and, you know, it's just back and forth. Like I was really confused with what I wanted to do because, you know, I was scared, you know, before, like a long time ago when we first started talking, like, you know, she had done a lot of things that were wrong and, you know, betrayal here and there. Same thing with me. I've done things too that, you know, took away the whole trust factor of it all. Bottom line, man, we just weren't meant to be together. And, uh, you know, I came back and we were doing what we were doing and then she went on leave. And uh, she comes back from leave, and three weeks later, she tells me that she's pregnant after she comes back from leave. So, you know, I asked her, you know, if she had, you know, if she did anything with anyone on leave, and she immediately got upset, started crying and telling me she would never do that to me and this and that, and, you know. And, you know, I believed her. So I'm thinking that for a whole month, you know, this child is mine, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, and she's pregnant, she doesn't want to get in trouble, so we're trying to figure out a way for her to get back home without getting in trouble, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm just there for her, like, I'm talking with her about it, I'm telling her, you know, that, you know, you need to tell the commander and first sergeant, you know, what happened, I mean, Cause I'm, I'm pretty, I was pretty certain that she couldn't get in trouble for, you know, if she, cause she's a female and they, every female has the, has the right to get pregnant if they want to. Not necessarily downrange, I get that, but she was on leave and she said that, uh, she could just back, she could just tell him that she had sex on leave. So I was, you know, the whole time I'm thinking it's mine and, uh, she's saying she's gonna have it. We're arguing still, you know, because I'm still, you know, I, I don't really believe her, to be honest with you. I wanted to. Every bone in my body wanted to believe her, and, you know, I was just scared because I didn't want to, you know, I wasn't really ready to be a father. Even though I told her, like, if it was mine, I was going to be there for it and take care of it. And, um, you know, I just I, I put a lot of the relationship. Not only that, when she told me she was pregnant, I kind of took on a sense of, not ownership, but responsibility is to, you know, help her in any way I could, which wasn't very much. I couldn't I'd just tell her everything's going to be okay. And, you know, when we get back, I'm going to be there. But, uh, so it comes down to the point where, you know, she told that she was pregnant and, uh, they, they got her out of there quick in a hurry which was around September. This was the whole month of August. You know, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Pretty much uh, my birthday, I remember uh, it was like three days before my birthday. She, she was going to leave on the 
it was. And we were talking, and she said she wasn't going to have it. And I was, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that I was like, oh, my God, like, don't, you know, because I, 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 I that it's a woman's choice. It's not necessarily my choice. It's her choice. You know, I, I believe that women have the right to make that decision. You know, I'm not, like, for abortion or against it. I'm just kind of, like, pro-choice, man. Like, but when she told me that, it kind of surprised me because I was like, you know, the whole time she's sitting here talking about she's going to have it and she's excited, and now she's talking about, you know, she's going to the abortion clinic and she's going to do it. Well, so that kind of threw me off. So I got upset and I left, and, you know, I didn't really talk to her the rest of the day she leaves and you know we don't talk for a while you know I told her I'd help her pay for the abortion and um you know I'm now we're at my birthday it's three days she's been gone she's already back the Redskin the first Redskin game came on I think it was I think it was on my birthday or the day after and she's texting me talking about she wants the money for the abortion and you know I told her I was like well when I get back because we were, you know, they're coming back on the 2nd of November. You know, I would have been back right on the November November 2nd. So I was like, I'll, you know, I'll pay you the money when I get back. I don't even want to go through the wire or anything like that. Right. So she got upset, and, you know, she basically told me that, you know, I'm a piece of, you know, I don't deserve any, you know, I don't deserve to be loved. And, you know, just... All this hurtful, you know, I, I just, I was numb to it, man, because I was, I was upset at the fact we were just, you know, we were always arguing. I, was, I guess I was kind of upset that I did get her pregnant, knowing that I didn't want to be in a committed relationship with her. But it, it was hard, man, because I love this girl. So it, it, it's really twisted, man. Like when people listen to this, they're probably going to be like, man, like, I don't really understand where they're coming from. And to be honest with you, I don't really understand our relationship that much either. I think you'd be because... surprised how many people can resonate with the idea of loving someone that is, that you don't, um, that you can't see ever having a healthy relationship with. That's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. And I think I probably. I probably would be surprised to be honest with you. Yeah, I can tell you, I can tell you right now that I've I've been in at least I've been I can think of one relationship that definitely identifies that, that way. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it it's I you know, it's like I've always said it's it's just like a neutral poison. It's like you you go you, you, it's like it's like a cup and it's just full of poison and you just keep drinking and drinking knowing that it's it, it's just like cigarettes. You know, it's like, you know, it's bad. You know, you're going to get cancer. You know, you're going to get eczema, all the crap that comes with it. But you still do it for whatever reason. Oh, you still want that drag. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the point where I will, um, I I don't want to sit here and say, and, you know, like, I don't ever want to cheapen her and make her, you know, feel like, you know, that it was just for sex. Because it wasn't. I really had feelings for this girl. But, you know, anyways, a friend of mine came to my door. You know, we live in these chews, and, you know, there's, like, these small, small rooms. There's, like, a – you could fit a bunk bed or, a, you know, like, the, the two bunk beds, and then there's, like, a, a locker. It's really small. And um, I, 
Or late at night, it's like nine o'clock. He knocks on my door. It's a buddy in my squad, and um, his wife was pregnant too, but they were married. So when she said that she, you know, his wife went back with the girl that I was seeing. So I guess he knew a lot before I even knew, because before I even get into what is going, what you know, what happened. I was completely blind. You know, I thought this girl was all about me and, you know, wasn't doing anything. And um, he comes, he knocks on my door, and the first thing he says is, hey, man, you got a minute. And I was like, yeah, dude. Like, what's up? He's like, dude, you didn't send Samantha any money for that abortion, did you? I was like, no, I told her I'd pay her when, you know, I got back. Why? What's up? He was like, I just want you to read these text messages that my wife just sent me. I was like, well, no, screw that, man. Just tell me what you want to tell me. And, you know, he told me that another, well, he wasn't really a friend at this point because, you know, me and him had been arguing a whole bunch, but we were friends at one point, and he was in my squad for a long time, and he's in my battery. So a buddy of mine tells me that she had been sleeping with that guy and me over like you know like on and off for a long time and i had no idea about it and you know it kills me man like when when he told me that like i immediately went into like this i can't even describe it i've never felt like that at any point in time in my life like i i guess i could describe it as like Finding out, like, because my best friend died in a car accident, and I, I, you know what? I can't even compare it to that. I just so much emotion was flowing through me, like I couldn't, I, I couldn't really comprehend. I didn't want to believe it. That was my initial. But you know, he started showing me proof. Uh, you know, and, and and things started adding up in my head, and uh, I had to believe it, and it was true. And right off the bat, you know, I, I we had Boxer, and it was the only way I could contact her. And, um, you know, because my friend is telling me that that baby's not mine. And, you know, for a whole month, I'm thinking I'm going to be a father. You know, like, I'm thinking my whole life's about to change. Yeah. You know, the stress that was that I was going through dealing with the chain of command, figuring out me and her situation. And, you know, everyone knew that we were in a relationship. They didn't know the extent of it or how poisonous it was or how drastic it is or how or even how long it had been going. Everyone knew that she was pregnant pretty much. Everyone knew that it except for me. The kid's not mine. I just found out. I'm in my room. You know, it's real late at night, and I'm I'm extremely upset. Like, I think I was going through a panic attack because I suddenly got real cold, and, like, I just, like, had to get under my blanket. You know, I, I, I didn't cry or anything like that. Like, I wanted to. Like, I could tell, like, I wanted to, but I didn't. And um, I sent, like, these horrible text messages to her, you know, you know, just saying the most hurtful stuff I could at the time because I'm trying to hurt this person as much as I'm hurting right now. After I did that, the next day, um, you know, 
I go through a whole day of work, and then my squad leader comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, you got something you want to sell me? And I was like, no, nah, nah, I don't have anything I want to sell you. And he goes, he goes really? Because, you know, you, you need to talk to me because first sergeant is, you know, he, he, he just sent me a message about, you know, you. And, but I was like, uh, I said, look, it's not my, it's not, because I told my squad leader, I told my squad leader that she was pregnant. You know, I had to confide in someone. and. You know, he goes, he goes, well, what's, what, what's up with, with you and, you know, the girl I was seeing? I was like, well, you know, she, it's not my kid. It's so-and-so's kid, which was, he was in another squad. And his eyes got real big and he was like, man, like, well, what'd you do? And I was like, I sent her all these text messages, man, telling her how I felt. And he was like, well, what'd you say? And I was like, you know, I, and I did say some like off the wall, like I threatened her. You know, I was just, I was in so much emotion, man. And, you know, I, I did what I did and I manned up to every word of it. Even though I didn't mean those things, you know, I did say them and, you know, you know, I was angry. But my chain of command, you know, they were looking at the surface of it all. And I guess her mom called my commander and uh, showed the text messages to my commander. So, you know, the next day, you know, and I was just about to go to the board. I was about to get promoted. You know, I've been in four years, and you know, they're 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 pulling me into the thing the next morning, telling me that you know, I shouldn't have sent those messages, regardless of what was going on. And you know, they were looking at the surface of everything, really. And you know, I was I was facing Article 15. My my platoon sergeant was trying to give me Article 15, and. So what, what, you know, what everyone, exactly did you put? What do you what do you feel like was the most offensive thing that you put in that text message? The most offensive thing, like, you know, I, I I said some things along the lines of, you know, if you wanted to get an abortion, you could have just told me the truth from the get go, and I would have dealt you one. Stuff like that, like, and it it, it was wrong to say, but I couldn't do anything. Like, I wanted to kill the guy who was living right next to me. I could have easily walked into his room and, and put hands on him and, and done that, but it would have made me feel better. Like, I thought about it for a good 20 minutes, and even if I would have got my hands a hold of him, it wouldn't have made me feel better, and I would have been in jail. Yeah. And, you know, I would have been in more trouble with my career than I was already facing with these text messages. So, you know, I did I did threaten her, but, you know, it was she knew the deal. She knew I was hurt. We've said stuff to each other along those lines, the same exact stuff over other petty stuff, not even big stuff like this. And that was the most dramatic thing that's ever happened to me as far as me being in a relationship with another human being and then betraying me. So, you know, I'm in the commander's office and he's sitting here telling me that I'm not going to the board. I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. And they don't know what they're going to do with me yet. So, and and then on top of that, they're still having me work with the guy that was sleeping with this girl that I was in a relationship with. They didn't care. Like, pretty much like they, they, they were like, you felt with those text messages. You know, they're looking at the surface. They're not going into the core of, like, what's really going on, what this woman manipulated me into doing. Yeah. And, you know, she used me for comfort pretty much because 
the guy she was with doesn't really care at all. He's, I mean, he's really immature. I mean, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's always loud and cracking jokes. He's just not a serious dude. And, you know, I, I've been told that I'm not a serious guy too, but if you ask anyone that knows me on a personal, personal level, they'll tell you that, you know, I'm not, I'm not what everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like whatever, you, you know, my name, but you don't know my story. Yeah. You know? So, and that's what I was getting from the chain of command. Like, you know, they know my rap and they know what kind of guy I am, but they don't know what's going on through my world right now. And especially my soul. Like I'm sitting here like dying on the inside because of what this human being did to me. Not only that, but because of what these two human beings did to me. And they had no remorse for what was going to go through my head. When, And it's not like they knew that I was never going to find out. Because the way it went down, you had to know that I was going to find out. Especially, you know, the Army's the biggest rumor mill on the planet. So I guess, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my room, the... You know, because they, they send me home and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sitting in front of my TV. Nothing's on. I can't hear anything. All I'm hearing is what's the thoughts racing through my head. And, you know, it's not like I, you know, and usually I talk to my father about these types of things, but, you know, I'm so embarrassed and hurt. And there's really nothing that my father can say that's going to help me. And I knew that. And, you know, I I knew there was no one on the planet that I could talk to really, like, that could really understand what this person did to me and truly understand how it made me feel. Because, you know, people would ask me about my relationship with this individual all the time, and I would just cheapen it, you know, but when it really came down to it and after all this had happened, I really realized like how much I really felt for this person and still do still do even after all this, but I'm sitting in my room and knowing that I I have no one to talk to. And the chain of command is just focused on these text messages that I sent. You know, I, I, I felt like I had no, I felt like I had nothing to gain. And I felt like I was, you know, a laughing stock for the entire battalion. And not to not and not to mention, like, even before I got to this dark place, my platoon sergeant decided to tell everyone my situation because he was on Advon in Qatar, which, you know, they were staying there two weeks to catch a flight back to Fort Bliss. Well, he found out what had happened with me and the individual I was in a relationship with and the individual that was in my squad. Well, in another squad, not my squad. And he was telling everyone and joking about it. And the only reason I knew is because an ex-girlfriend of mine had heard him say these things and told me through a text message on my phone. And when I found that out, I brought it to the chain of command and I told him, like, hey, like, why is this? Why is my platoon sergeant telling everyone my business? You know, he's he's telling everyone that soldier, in his own words, I don't deserve to go to the board, and, you know, I'm stupid, 
and I should have, you know, why on earth would I ever send or threaten another soldier? You know, he didn't know the whole story. But he took it upon himself, a senior leader now, a, a E7, a sergeant first class, took it upon himself to spread my business throughout the whole battalion, not just to senior, other senior enlisted leaders, but junior enlisted. So, you know, people in other batteries, and, you know, I could, I, in my mind, I'm sitting in my room and I'm just thinking about all these people just laughing at me. And, because I was completely blindsided. But I'm sitting in my room and, like, I, I, I just felt like I had nothing to gain. I felt like, I felt like no one could help me. And I felt like no, and I, and I felt like I didn't want to go through this pain ever, like, for another second. Like, I, I, it hurt so bad to knowing that that person was already free and clear back at Bliss, getting what she needed to get done. But I'm stuck overseas dealing with all these emotions. And, dude, it literally killed me. And I've never felt like that in my life. And, you know, I took 20 Tylenol. And I held it in my hand. And I just, you know, I started to cry. And I shoved them all in my mouth. I swallowed. It was a cry for help. I look at it now, you know, and it was a cry for help. My squad leader comes in, you know, by the grace of God, and, you know, he shoves four knuckles down my throat, and I throw up most of it, and uh, they took me to the hospital, and, you know, they did what they had to do. I hate talking about it, but... You're fine. But... It is what it is. You know, I, I feel like my story is, is somewhat cliche and, and petty. And I know, I know like people will tell me it's your story. You know, you, you shouldn't cheapen it. But I've researched suicide because I've been in, you know, I'm in the warrior transition unit now. Um, I'm going through deep counseling. Um, and you know, I'm trying to figure out not just the initial, you know, I'm just trying to figure myself out, period. And it's hard, man, because I'm alone. And, you know, it's just, it was a cry for help. If I really wanted, if I really wanted to go through and do it, I would, I would have just done it. But, you know, I would hate to even think that, when I did do what I did that I really wanted to die. But honestly, like I didn't want to feel anything and I didn't want to feel like this anymore. And I still feel that pain. I still feel that pain. You know, it's been a month and I still feel that pain. And it's just something that we as people have to learn to deal with. You know, they, you know, you always go through this, the suicide briefings, permanent solution for a temporary problem. You know, the whole, you know, I've been in four years, almost four and a half. And every one of those briefs, I'm just thinking like, man, I'd never feel like that. Who could be that stupid to want to kill themselves? And I regret ever thinking that. And I do know now that anyone, because, you know, I'm the guy that is 
I'm the guy that's going to walk up to you and hug you. And we, and we just met. I'm the guy that is always going to crack a joke. You know, I, I'm the guy that will help you and, you know, laugh with you. And, you know, I'm the guy that's going to go out with you and, and, and drink the night away. And, you know, I'm the guy that's going to dance with those girls. You know, like I'm, I'm this, I'm not that person, but anyone could feel like that. And you're right. My story isn't cliche and my story isn't, shouldn't be cheapened in any way because it all depends on the person and it all depends on what they feel they're going through. But, you know, I do realize what I did was, was really impulsive and I didn't think about how it would affect other people in their lives. You know, I didn't think about my father and it kills me thinking that if, you know, my squad leader hadn't walked in and did what he did to save my life, it kills me to know like my family and what they would go through and, you know, what my friends would go through. Um, but when you're in that state of betrayal, you feel like no one cares, even your friends, even your family. And I was in such a dark place. I didn't feel like no one cared. I, I, I felt like if this person could do this to me, then anyone that I was close to could do it. So when you were, I mean, so, you know, when you were in that dark space and you were, uh, you were confident that no one could talk to you about what was going on. I mean, was that an act, was that a case of, um, that you were just, you didn't want to give anybody the opportunity to fail you again, or you were too embarrassed to talk to someone about it. Um, I mean, did you, I mean, cause clearly, I mean, as you can see now, like now that you're rationally thinking about it, um, in that irrational state, I mean, you never gave anybody the opportunity to care. Um, and this is something that a lot of people that enter suicidal behavior suffer from is, you know, is when they get there, uh, you know, they have a hard time believing that anybody can help or that anybody does care. Um, and, you know, sometimes that it's so unfair to the people around you because we don't actually give them like an opportunity. We just make these assumptions that make ourselves, that, uh, excuse ourselves from, from reaching out. Have you, have you since talked to your father about what happened? No, I haven't. And well, I did tell my dad what I did. It took me two weeks and, you know, I told him. You know, because I, I told him about the, the girl and how she was telling me she was pregnant. And he told me to not worry about it because he thinks something's up. And my father's always right. And, you know, I wrote a song. It's called Hey Dad. And it literally, it literally speaks volumes on how he's always been right. And, you know, I, I went against his word. And I didn't believe him. I, I, I believed it was mine. But... Literally, this is what my dad said. I told him what I did. I told him that, you know, I tried, I tried to take my own life and, um, I told him how. And he literally said verbatim, what the f did you think that was going to do? Honestly, I, no one could have said anything better. Yeah. Because what was it going to do besides hurt everyone that I love and everyone that I ever cared for? And 
you know, I, I, I was, I, they, they, they put me on a medevac and, you know, before you go to back to Fort Bliss, they send you to Germany. And before Germany, I had to go to guitar. Well, sitting in guitar and, you know, they have a counselor that comes by and talks to you every day to see how you're doing and how you're feeling. And she came by and we were discussing what happened. And, you know, I'm just tired of telling my story at this point. And, um, you know, I was hesitant at first, but I went into what happened and she goes, why did you do it? Why did you want to do it? And I said, because I wanted her to hurt. And I thought that if I hurt myself in the most ultimate form that any human being could hurt themselves, she would hurt as much as everyone that ever cared about me would hurt. And she goes, and I quote, well, what if I told you that she, she wouldn't care? And that blew my mind. And that really, it kind of made me feel stupid. Yeah. And, you know, it's true. You know? Well, that was a waste of, of a suicide. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I shouldn't joke about it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the truth. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and, you know, when I was at that moment in time, you know, I, I guess, I guess to answer your question, it's not, I, I was embarrassed. I mean, the whole, my whole battery knows that I've been in this relationship with this female who was in my platoon and come to find out it's this other guys in the same platoon. And, you know, I guess in the army, your hand, you know, leaders hands are kind of bound because they can't really help you help you in the way that I need to be helped. You know, honestly, and I'm not trying to, you know, say that, you know, cause I, I you know, I, I served my deployment and I did my job and I did what I was supposed to do and I didn't get in any trouble, you know, I, but I, I was, I was doing the wrong thing. You're right. But I deserve to be taken out of that situation. And I asked my, First sergeant, my, my, my commander a million times prior, even not, even before I found out she was pregnant to go to another platoon or another battery so I could get away from this toxic leadership. And I really felt that no one cared and everyone was just going to say, I'm going to teach you God what was coming to him. And as far as my father, I mean, he really couldn't help me. I mean, he's in Europe, for God's sakes. I'm 24 years old. You know, I'm I'm deployed. He can't do anything except tell me how stupid I was. And I didn't need to hear that from anybody. I already knew how stupid I was. And I already felt stupid enough. I didn't need anyone telling me. Yeah. So I guess I just assumed everyone's initial response to my situation without actually hearing what people were going to say. So one of the reasons why you're on here sharing your story is you reached out to me saying that, uh, that you had discovered this show and you started listening to it. Were you surprised? Uh, like, did you resonate with any of the stories that you were hearing uh, here on, on this show? Um, surprised? I wouldn't say surprised because my initial like surprise element happened when, you know, I, I went there 
Mm-hmm. So to hear to hear the stories, you know, and some of them were, you know, way, way, you know, way more than what I have to offer, and that's why I initially was kind of repellent towards, well, repelled to even doing this because, you know, I I just felt like my story wasn't going to help anyone. But my counselor, you know, I told my counselor about, you know, the show. And, you know, how we had had an interview about my music earlier on. And, you know, I, she asked me if I trust the guy. I was like, well, yeah, of course. Like, I, I wouldn't even talk to him if I didn't trust him. And he was like, well, well, she goes, I really think it would help and benefit not just you, but everyone else. And, you know, I felt so worthless and so betrayed and so down. Like, I really hope that. By doing this, I want to I want to help other people, you know. And I don't necessarily want to go and shout out my story to everyone. I've been telling my story for two months. It seems like every other people, and I get the same initial response, like, "Oh my God, like how could another human being do that to you?" Or you know, you shouldn't have done that. That that was crazy for you to even do something like that. Um. You know, I mean, surprise, no, because I was so surprised that a person like me could ever feel like that. And uh, so, what uh, what was it that you were getting from from listening to other people share their story? I honestly was just getting a sense of. I mean, and not just that. I mean, I could sense that someone that never even felt like this before could get a broad spectrum on what goes through people. They do decide to end their own life. And these people that get to voice and tell their story, it's a second chance and it's a blessing. I look at it as a sin not to say what you went through because you could ultimately make someone that wants to end their life and is going to, you know, who's not going to take the 20 Tylenol, who's going to take the 22 and shove it in his mouth and pull the trigger. And then there's no, there's nothing that you could come back from that. There's, there's no way you're going to come back from that. So, you know, I think that people, I think it, I think it's great, man. Like, I mean, honestly, and it, it helped me, Listening to, you know, I didn't listen to all of them. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I listened to every story on one too many projects. Uh, I don't, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't expect anybody to listen to all these. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a loaded topic. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I just, you know, it's good to talk about it. It's good to talk about it. And it, it's, it's not good to talk about it in an unhealthy way, yeah. you know? beating yourself up about it and, you know, but like this going through what went through your mind and, you know, and, you know, how you felt and what led you to feel this way. I mean, every story is different and every story is unique and I've got a different ingredient to the pie or their pie and it just makes it, 
it makes it so that no matter who you are, no matter how much money you have or how much success you have, or, you know, if you're living in a box or you're living in a mansion, you can do like this. And all it takes is one situation to just completely flip your initial demeanor of life. And it's, I, I mean, honestly, like some of the stories I listen to, I can't remember, you know, word for word, but these people had lives. You know, I have, I have a life. I have a career. I'm in the, I'm in the United States military. I'm 24 years old. I'm serving my country. You know, I'm young. Um, a buttload of potential. I, I, you know, I got my, I got, I got music on iTunes. You know, I got, you know, I, I work with brilliant minded people when it comes to music and, you know, just for me to even want to do that is, it's crazy to me. But once you hear the story, it's not so crazy. So, so you mentioned that, you know, you do music. Um, I know you have an album in the works right now. Have you addressed what happened in any of your recent music? I really, I really didn't. And I, I wanted to, I initially wanted to call the, the album Suicide Watch because I wrote about, I want to say like half of it when they put me on Suicide Watch. And, um, but I didn't. And I have wrote a song and I, you know, I just didn't want to release it on this, this album, you know, uh, simply because it's just too soon for me. And, um, you know, everyone is going to know what it's about as far as the people I work with. And, um, you know, it's still, it's still, it's still quite a bit embarrassing and, you know, I'm still working through it. But, uh, you know, I wrote a lot of songs out of anger too, but I, you know, I wanted this album to, I just wanted this album to generate what, you know, the vision, me and, uh, King Art and, you know, his other artists excel and his, you know, his brother Derek, like, you know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, not necessarily cheapen the sound, but I, I, I wanted it to be about the music and not, not necessarily about, what had just happened to me, you know? Um, but I will, you know, I have a song in the works. Um, I've been writing to, and, you know, and I do have songs on this album, you know, one's called Z's, um, that I think a lot of people are going to cling on to. And, uh, I ain't got time. That's another one, but you know, the albums in the works, uh, I keep bugging King, but, um, you know, perfection takes time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to sort of, you know, wrap this up and uh, to um, to sort of let the audience know where you are right now, what are you doing to help grow and mend your emotional health? Honestly, uh, well, they, they they got me on this medication. Um, I'm, you know, I'm taking antidepressants. I'm 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 really just trying to tap in with uh, being content with myself. Which you know, I've always been in a relationship. I've always had females. Um, 
basically since I was 16, I mean, I've always been with a female and I'm not trying to brag and say like, you know, I'm freaking Hugh Hefner or anything like that, but <laughs> uh, I've always had females and, you know, I don't have a really solid relationship with my mother and I feel like well, I'm starting to realize I, I try and fill in that gap with, you know, females of my age and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm reading, uh, I'm, I'm reading Sigmund and Freud. I don't know if I said that right, but, you know, I'm, I'm reading, uh, I'm reading that. I'm, I'm going to counseling. I'm not drinking, which is huge because anybody that knows me knows that I drink all the time. Um, it's not a problem. I just drink all the time. Um, you know, just, I'm really trying to figure myself out and, you know, since everything's happened, I mean, you know, it's just shed light on what I couldn't feel. And I'm just trying to focus on me ever wanting to feel like that ever again. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, what does anybody do? I mean, you know, I, I, I'll I'll come up to my barracks room and, you know, I'll, I'll try and write. Or, you know, as of late, I've just been driving around in my brand new truck, um, just listening to beats and listening to Excel's new album. And, uh, you know, just focusing on the now and focusing on my future. And, and just, you know, try and make it seem every bit of hopeful as anyone would make their future seem or want their future to be. Um, you know, I, I, everyone has something ahead of them, whether it's, you know, another 13 years in retirement out the military or, you know, a major league baseball contract or, you know, everyone's got something ahead of them. And I'm just trying to figure out what I need to do to, stay on track for that. That's pretty much all I've been doing. Um, you know, try not to spend all my deployment money. I think try not spending all that deployment money is, uh, something that, uh, we all could have done better of. And so I think, um, you know, I just really, I let Mark talk, talk there because it's just so normal, right? Like I think, you know, the story is unique and maybe we all haven't gone through, uh, those same problems, but hearing Mark sort of process it all, talk about it, sort of just admit like, yeah, whatever, I, you know, I went through some things and I did this and it was stupid, I know that now, and I think that's something we can all resonate with, right? We can all um, understand what that feels like, and I think that that's important. I'm really glad uh, that Mark was able to get the confidence to step forward and, and share his, uh, his story, so I, I thank him. I just I want to I want to reiterate my uh, my support for the Soldiers Project. The Soldiers Project is uh, they're committed to providing a safety net of psychological care for military service members and their loved ones, as well as educating the general public on how the psychological consequences of war affect not only those who serve, but also their loved ones at home and in our communities. They provide free confidential professional psychological counseling services to those that have served in our nation's military after September 11, 2001. And we all know what significant day that was. 
You can go to thesoldiersproject.org to learn more about them. This isn't, um, they're not paying me. This is no sponsorship. This is my admiration for their organization and wanting, uh, wanting other people to discover and take part in organizations that I think really deserve the attention. So check out the Soldiers Project. OneTooManyProject.com is where you can find all of the other episodes. We are now also on Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com slash veteranssuicide. I'm really glad that BTR has invited us to that platform so we can reach out a broader audience. Please go to those two websites to learn more about the project. At the website, at my website, OneTooManyProject.com, you can sign up for the newsletter to stay on top of what's going on. I'm hoping to have some events this year uh, to talk, to address veteran suicide, and uh, to bring this conversation, um, to make this conversation stronger among all of us. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you tomorrow with Momentary Reflections. Mm-hmm.